You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Strange Familiars. Tonight, Allison. Yeah. You've asked for this for a long time. Mm-hmm. It's the clip show. The fact that you have not bothered to get what that music sounds like that they do in the background of the <laughs> sitcoms to play. The <laughs> doo-doo, doo-doo, doo-doo. I'm just going to have you do it. Each, each time we go it to another clip. It bothers me. Now, have you ensured that there's a hokey, like, real contrivance in the way that we get to these clips in the same way as 80s sitcoms? No, and <laughs> it's not... A clip show like you might expect. What I've done is I've collected a lot of the clips of audio that we've recorded mm-hmm. on our on-site episodes, and we're going to go back and play some of those. Quite a few of those, actually. We'll be talking a little bit about the places we recorded them and the circumstances and stuff, and then we'll play some of the audio that we captured. As I always say, I think some of these are explainable sounds. I think some of them might be genuinely anomalous. I leave it up to the listener to decide. To me, this is more of like a personality test. Like this happens in the photo world too, or someone will bring something up like, hey, does this look like so-and-so? And And then it's more like a psychological test as to whether there's certain people that are always like, there's no way that's who it is. And then there's certain people like, I think that's possible. I would like. Oh yeah. There's there's certain people that everything is a fox or coyote, no matter what it is, no matter Uh what sound I play. Yeah. So it absolutely applies. Some of these sounds have never been heard before on the regular show because some of them were on Patreon episodes. Okay. If you want to hear every episode of Strange Familiars and you want to support the show, the best way is by becoming a patron at Patreon. It's patreon.com slash strangefamiliars. We're now doing two patron shows every month. Sign up for Patreon. You get over 70 shows right away, the 70 shows we've done in the past for our patrons. And then every month we're doing two full exclusive shows for our patrons as well. It's patreon.com slash strangefamiliars. There's different tiers of support there. Go ahead and check it out. If you don't like the idea of a monthly subscription like Patreon, you can make a one-time donation. Just go to the show notes under any episode. 
Look for the paypal.me link and you can make a one-time donation by clicking that. All right, so tonight we're going to go back through a lot of the on-site audio we've collected since the start of the show. Some of these sounds are easier to pick out than others, so I'm going to play them like three or four times each. Most of the subjects that we're recording are far away from the microphone, so I always liken it to attending a rock concert versus listening to a recording of a live rock concert. When you're at a live rock concert, it's very immediate, it's very powerful, it's very, you know, in-your-face kind of their sound. When you listen to the recording, it's like any other album. It's just like, you know, yeah. recorded music kind of flattens it out. It's the same thing with these on-site sounds. Sometimes they're so immediate and so loud and so there, and then you get to the recording, it's like, oh, really? Yeah. yeah. Hopefully, some of the strangeness will come through in these clips. Some of the recordings I've treated with noise reduction, just to reduce the hiss and try to isolate the sounds a little bit. But I've not added any effects. I've not slowed them down the way some shows do to make things sound spookier. And I have to say, I'm a bad Foley artist, so I'm not making these up. You're not making these up? <laughs> no. What about the doodly-doodly sound? Are you going to do that? That is pretty much the top <laughs> tier of my Foley technique. first clip oh i remember that (laughs) (laughs) so way back in episode seven was i even there it was an episode called spook lights and headless ghosts i don't think you had appeared on the show yet at this time it was my first co-host anthony and i we went to seven valleys to talk about the apparition of a headless ghost a man named james ruby Oh, is this in my favorite cemetery yeah oh okay yes he's buried right there in ziegler's church cemetery You can find his tombstone. I think it's right up front. We found it pretty easily. And his specter is often seen riding through Seven Valleys on a ghostly horse. Secondarily, we went to discuss what we call the spook lights of Seven Valleys. Many, many people, and I still get reports to this day, people talking about a green light in the sky and a green or gold light in the fields that is lit up. Sometimes the light from the sky comes down to the fields. It's very, very strange. Lots of people in Seven Valleys report that. So what happened was... Anthony and I were on the top of Panther Hill. There's Panther Hill Road down there in Seven Valleys. I forget. I think it's before you get to Rob Park. Oh, yeah. That's what I was wondering. Because there's a, there's a really cool park, if you're like going to check this area out, that has uh, bat caves in it. Yes. <laughs> Rob Park, it has old, they were old uh, iron mines and hematite mines. Is it hematite or hematite? I always said hematite, but I could be totally wrong. The magnetic yeah. stuff. You're probably right. They have hematite and iron mines there, and they dug into the ground. They basically, they're man-made caves, they're mines, but now they're bat homes, and they have them fenced off with bat fences so people can't go in there. One day I photographed a bat that was caught in a spider web outside of the cave. Yeah, it was really, really cool. Across from Rob Park, so before Rob Park was a park and after it was a mine, it was a landfill. Oh, really? Yeah. Remember when we go up to the top part of that park, all those bottles and, and oh, stuff? Yeah, you find? Yeah. yeah, it was a landfill. And they cleaned it up and made it into a park. When it was a landfill, still a landfill. Actually, it was they closed as a landfill in the late 70s, I think. In the early 80s, I believe it was. It was a Bigfoot sighting right on that Green Valley Road there. People driving home from York saw a huge, I think, nine, eight, nine-foot creature across the road, right across from Rob Park there. Well, that's a good reason to never venture into York. <laughs> Wait, because <laughs> venturing in New York caused them to see yeah. a Bigfoot. They out wouldn't in have been driving miles. down that oh, way. Gotcha. That... gotcha. I'd see, I don't think like a Pennsylvania Dutch person. I have to. Best yeah. not to leave. So, anyway, Anthony and I were on top of Panther Hill, 
Can we talk a little bit for a moment about how a road gets the name of Panther Hill? I'm assuming someone saw a mountain line there way back, way, yeah. way back. And then forever on, it's like, that's Panther Hill. Right. We're on the top of Panther Hill. We're standing there. We're just looking at the sky, just hanging out and talking. And something started approaching us. And we could hear it clear as day. Is something panting. Now, I call this the ghost coyote because you could hear this thing panting and getting closer. We never saw anything. Was it daytime? Nighttime. Oh, nighttime. Didn't hear walking or anything. Just heard the panting. But it was oh, getting getting louder. And oh, I don't like that. It got louder and closer. We couldn't find it. We couldn't see it. Anthony ended up getting out his knife. It frightened him so bad. We mm-hmm. both ended up jumping in the Jeep. So this is the clip of like what I call the ghost coyote. I don't know what it was. Couldn't tell the direction the breathing was coming from. It just came closer. The pings and pops you hear are actually my Jeep cooling. So that's what that's what those are. You hear. <laughs> but if you kind of listen through that, you can hear this panting sound. We actually caught it on tape. You never know if you capture these things, too, until I get home and I start going through and editing them. So next, we move to episode 20, Site 7 Experiences. I believe this was our second Site 7 show, but our first Site 7 on-site show. And it combined a few visits. We'd been going a few times. This kind of combined a few visits, including a recorder we left there overnight. So we had a lot of audio to pull from Mm -hmm. to make this one episode. So if you listen to the show for any length of time, you know Site7 is a place we go quite frequently, a few times a year anyway. I was told about Site7 by a local person. I asked him if he knew any stories about Toad Road. He didn't know what Toad Road was, but he says, I know this other place. It's a closed road. And he told about several experiences on the road, including having rocks thrown at him by what he called hobos in the woods. And I asked him, did you ever see these hobos? He said, no, no one ever saw them. So that was interesting. Anytime rocks get thrown, it's a, you know, checks a box. I would me. say also that as far as hobos go, like there is like a a population of, I would say, transient people that live somewhat close to that area. But I wouldn't say that there are just like masses of hobos in the woods. Right. <laughs> yeah. And, and the fact that they're throwing stones repeatedly, like he said, dependably, they could drive up there and park their cars and and get stones thrown at them and yet no one ever saw these hobos and this is the thing when people live anywhere there's signs of them i mean it's not like they have like a way to have garbage picked up or like like there are signs that humans are there i think yeah oh absolutely humans are never subtle (laughs) i've come upon homeless camps in the woods yeah and it's apparent that people live there oh yeah another tale that gets associated with this road is the the family with albinism now, this is a urban legend trope. You will find this all over the country. In fact, I read an urban legend just a few minutes ago from, I think it's from Wisconsin, about an area that the legend was supposedly a bunch of circus little people. Is that mm-hmm. the correct term? Yeah. Were upset 
at being treated cruelly yeah. by the, the ringmaster, and they murdered him in some way. Yeah. Ran off and established this town in this rural area. Well, I think that there, like with a lot of urban legends, there is some precedent for that. There is a group of people in northern New Jersey who refer to themselves now as the Lenape Ramapo tribe of people, mm-hmm. who Barnum used as a source of a lot of entertainers. And that's where a huge population of people with albinism were transitioned into the circus because of their proximity to New York City. So I think there is a precedent for um, enclaves of people, potentially, with albinism. And there's certainly the story of, um, you know, people know of the retirement community for the circus people. So there's that. And then there's also, that seems like it borrows heavily from Todd Browning's freaks, too. (laughs) It's, It's a conflation of probably some real stories that people heard along with some urban legends that get passed across the country. Mm-hmm. In any case, these little people, after they, they murdered the ringmaster in one way or another, mm-hmm. I think they, they hanged him or something, went off, established their own community. One day, a boy with albinism wandered in the community, and they adopted him as their own, and he became this scary guardian of the, the place. But this story of people with albinism in these legend-tripping areas across the country. Mm-hmm. It comes up a lot. It comes up over and over again. do you again. think that's an extension from sort of just the um, woman in white or the uh, the idea of these extreme places that are have a real binary of light and dark, white and black, very, mm-hmm. very sort of people see things in extremes in these areas, so that maybe that's why that there's a... It's possible. Yeah, also that people have no understanding of science, basically. <laughs> In any case, there was supposedly a family with albinism that lived along this closed road that we call Site 7. Uh, Supposedly, they would chase cars and so forth. The guy who told me the story also told me that he had a really unsettling meeting with this, like, strange farmer. He ran out of gas there. Had to go ask the guy for gas. He had this, like, really strange farmer with long fingernails. He had this run-in with. That really creeped him out. We did find an article, like a serious folklorist had interviewed people actually in Columbia, Pennsylvania, about local legend tripping areas in the 80s. And they all mentioned this area. They all mentioned the Site 7 area and that road, which was not closed at the time. The most common feature, interestingly enough, in all of these folklore interviews he did with these people were weird lights. They would mm, report weird That's what you guys see the most. Lights. Yeah, really, really interesting. So Site 7, located on private land, it's along the Susquehanna River in York County. We gave it the name because it is private. No one should be going there or hanging out. And there are certain physical features to the land which actually make it dangerous to hike, particularly at night. So again, that's why we give it a code name. Last thing I want is a legend tripper going out there and killing themselves. I I would feel awful. So we give it the code name. But as strange places go, Site 7 has been really dependable. Like if someone came to visit me and they said, take me to some place where weird stuff happens. Site 7 would be my go-to. Can't guarantee anything would happen, but it's more likely there than anywhere else that we'd see something, strange lights or something weird. So as far as capturing audio goes, our first visits to Site 7 seem to be the best. Uh, since then, haven't gotten as much audio. We've seen some weird stuff, but we haven't gotten as much audio. So on our first visits, we noticed screeched owls were sounding almost constantly when we were there. Every time, we just heard screech owls, screech owls, screech owls. And of course... I knew owls were a thing in the paranormal at this time. I am friends with Mike Clellan, after all. (laughs) But we really hadn't realized how frequently owls were around us on these on-site investigations at that time. And listeners started pointing out, you know, several on-site shows down the line. Like, 
how often they would hear owls in the recording right before we would say we heard something or, uh-huh. or saw something anomalous. So it's very interesting. Of course, owls are problematic because sometimes an owl is just an owl, and that's you know mm-hmm. a thing. So this first clip is just screech owls, but I just put it in here for curiosity. We did capture something while we were out there that was much lower than the other screech owls. We wondered if it was something like trying to mimic screech owls. So we captured some barks as well, and I, I think these are likely foxes now that I listen back to them. This next clip, it has the same kind of barks, but it, I think it becomes a little more interesting because you can hear kind of a whistle over it, and it sounds like a recorder or a flute being overblown, if you know what that sounds like. So this is a single low bark we captured, just one bark. I think this was on the recorder that we left out there overnight. And this isn't sound we captured, but this is just sound I put in as comparison. This is the sound of a gorilla barking. And then we can compare that to the bark we captured.
as I said, we left a recorder at Site 7 overnight. We captured a lot of these sounds, including this possible EVP. There's car noise in the background, but to me it sounds like someone whispering, maybe. So next we have a sound of a, it's a loud echoing wood knock. So this sounds like we have it marked whistle and answer. The first whistle seems a little bit more distant with the second one louder and closer to the mic. These might be birds. One time we were at Site 7, and we were standing there, and we were, you know, usually keeping quiet, and we're whispering back and forth and so forth. And James said he heard a stone being thrown. And I don't know whether my attention was somewhere else or what, but when I went back to the audio, right before he said that, you can actually hear something hit the Jeep. So I think this is what he was talking about. I remember asking him, like, is that what you heard? He said, yeah, that was it. I don't know why I didn't pick it up that night, but it's, my attention is usually focused on whatever's going on around us there. So this next clip is my favorite piece of audio we ever collected at Site 7. I love this so much. Maybe one of my favorites we record anywhere. Not, I don't think my favorite, but one of them. It's right up there. So this was on the recorder we left there overnight. According to the timestamp, it was between about 3 and 4 a.m. somewhere. No one should be out there anytime, but particularly at that time. I've played this and some people say they hear two voices. I hear one voice in the clip, but whatever it is, I can't tell what it's saying. Again, one of my favorite clips we've ever collected. It's creepy. I do hear two sounds. I hear, do, I, to me, it sounds like two different voices. Two different almost voices. like a call and response kind of thing. Yeah, it's weird, though. I can't this tell is, what they're I saying. I have to say, this is the first one so far where I've been like, 
Uh, something. <laughs> <laughs> something creepy. Something creepy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So many of them are so hard to pick out. Yeah, yeah, I know. You, you it's really like, kind of have to listen with headphones, and you have to listen again and again. That's why I play them multiple times for people. Yeah. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. So the next episode, we're all the way up to episode 29. This episode was the Michaud Roar. This is my first time that I really spent any serious amount of time in Michaud. I met a witness named Jeff there. He took me to two locations where he had kind of Bigfoot experiences. Both of them were in the White Rocks area of Michaud, which is a different White Rocks than the White Rocks area where Chad had his experience. That's it's not really Michaud. That's up a little bit north. So a different White Rocks. This is White Rocks in Michaud. So Jeff and his girlfriend, they visited the White Rocks. It's a cliff area, so people do a lot of like rock climbing there. He was tapping on rocks with a stick, just tapping lightly. He wasn't doing like heavy wood bangs or anything, mm-hmm. wood knocks. And his girlfriend, who I think is, is now his wife, but I think it was at the time his girlfriend, went to urinate. Between these two things, stuff started going kind of crazy. They heard stuff kind of walking around in the woods near them, very, seemed very agitated. They heard something up on top of the cliff of White Rocks, and they just really kind of got scared and went back to the truck, drove around the backside of the mountain, So White Rock's cliff is on one side, and basically they drove around on this road, and it basically takes you to the back of the cliff, so Mm -hmm. to the top, essentially the top of the cliff. You can walk to the top of the cliff from from the road and the back side of it. He got out of the the truck to smoke a cigarette, because he he said he was kind of so, like, shaken up by what happened, and he got roared at, and he insisted it was a roar. He said it was, like, the most powerful, frightening, like, roar he'd ever experienced and i would call it a scream or a yell he'd he'd stop me every time he'd say no roar it was a roar one of the interesting things when we went to the white rocks cliff area i think i talked about in the episode but after writing where the footprints end it becomes even more interesting to me there was a sapling that was tied in a knot like in an overhand knot when i was there which is very very interesting because of you know bigfoot tree signs and stuff but it's also a folk magic practice oh that makes sense yeah. yeah i 
went back with Gideon hiking there one time, and I looked for it because I wanted to see if it because it would be really interesting if it grew. Yeah, yeah, or if that just stunted. And I couldn't find it again, so I'll have to revisit and maybe look for it again. So Jeff's other experience was just a little ways up the road from from he the went White, back. White Rocks Trail. Yeah, <laughs> this stuff is addictive. It really is addictive. It's there's there's not like cautionary tales inherent in it, like like when you watch a horror movie and you know that you're not supposed to do certain things. There are. I mean, and honestly, I've been, I've had my pants scared off me before, and it's so addictive. I always go back, and I've thought about that. It's like, why do you keep doing this? I don't know. There's something about this stuff that's it's it's very enticing. That feeling of excitement. It's it's very very addictive. There was another area right there. He had. Uh, I think he was doing some kind of gifting or something. I, think I forget the story, but in, in any case, he saw one of these blacker than black entities walking through a gully, you know, the, a Bigfoot, but he described it as blacker yes. than black, which is a description we've gotten several times for Bigfoot. How do you differentiate blacker than black from just nighttime? Well, he saw it in the evening, so it wasn't quite dark oh, yet. Oh, yeah. That seems to be a very common time to see things. Oh, yeah. yeah liminal time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But Magic pe- hour. People have talked about blacker than the night around it and so forth you know that it's just a description we get again and again in any case when i was with jeff he took me to a place called pond bank because he had heard me talking about this bigfoot and woman in white connection pond bank is less than a mile as a crow flies from where he had his experiences might even be less than that it might be half mile from where he had his experiences as a crow flies and he told me the story of the white lady of pond bank which is local legend of a ghostly woman who drowned her baby in the pond and supposedly if you come to the pond at night and you stand on one side and you say, white lady, white lady, I have your baby, she will come out and you will see this, this woman in white entity across the pond. I've tried this before. did not work. Yeah, I don't. This, no. <laughs> <laughs> that, I would never do that. I tell you what, Pond Bank, the, the area around the pond itself, it's pretty open. There's a trail that on the backside that kind of goes around the pond. It's a big, wide trail. Mm-hmm. We've been in places in Michaud that are way far out, you know, mm-hmm. way away from people. Just, I mean, Pond Bank is, the pond is literally in the community of Pond Bank. I've never been as creeped out in Michaud as I have just walking around that pond in Pond Bank at night. It's really creepy there. Plus, you're lying to her. You don't have her baby. <laughs> <laughs> I guess it's a good way to upset a spirit. So in any case, I'm recording this interview with Jeff. Neither Jeff nor I heard this. When I get home, I'm editing the audio. During the entire interview, you can hear this groaning sound under us. It sounds like like Josh compared it to tube and throat singing. It sounds like overtone singing. It's this very low, constant groan. Through the whole interview, we're talking. It's there. I asked Jeff, you know, I sent him a recording of it. I said, did you hear this when we were there? He didn't hear it. I didn't hear it, but it's on the audio. Even though it's through the entire time we were talking, I could only clip about two seconds when we weren't talking of this mm-hmm. sound. I call this the Pond Bank Groan. And that was constantly under throughout the whole interview. You can go back and listen to that episode, episode 29. What time of year was it? March. Was it warm enough for tadpoles to be out yet? It was frigid that oh, day. Oh, okay. It was a really cold March I remember day, we, not we, really we got out, and I thought, well, I'm not going to throw my jacket on because he's just going to tell me this quick story here. And the wind was blowing so hard, it was absolutely frigid. But 
that clip it's it's not a bullfrog it's through it's underneath us the whole time it's like a drone under mm. us the whole time Now we're going to jump all the way to episode 85 and back to Site 7. So these sounds were captured from various Site 7 visits in 2019. First is a groan in the background. I believe you can hear a plane or a traffic noise, but if you listen closely, there's like kind of a low groan happening. So some of the sounds we capture are just like weird and unidentifiable. While we're there, it, it often sounds, especially in the summer, it just sounds like we'll sit there in the parking area and it sounds like things just walk around us. So I don't know if this is that, but just hear some odd creaking sounds. So they, these sounds were all captured while we were there. We didn't leave the recorder mm -hmm. this time. So the next sound labeled, I don't know. <laughs> Whoever was with me asked me, what was that? And I said, I don't know. That's why it's labeled, I don't know. The next one is labeled, not me, because I remember James asked me, was that you? <laughs> <laughs> I said, no, it was not me. And something else we captured. That was close to the mic, whatever it was. Like I said, a lot of times it's, you're there. It's so weird. It just seems like something's just walking around and around you. We've never been able to determine what that is. Like with a binaural microphone or something where you can hear a 360 kind oh, of. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's, and not quickly. Just very just slowly. slowly around. <laughs> That's almost worse. And finally, there's an EVP. It's another whispery EVP we capture there. It sounds to me like it says, look away. Your mileage may vary. I wonder how many times on the mic there are EVPs of our stomach rumbling. <laughs> <laughs> I'll actually get to some stomach rumbles when we talk about the Toad Road synchronicity episodes. Okay. Now we're going all the way up to episode 118. Oh, I remember exactly which one that was. Which one was it? It was one where you talk about Bigfoot and stuff. <laughs> wow. <laughs> it's Pandemonium Part 2. We're, we're now into the Chad years. <laughs> the Chad years. <laughs> you have B, C, and A. I think there's going to be a lot more about Pandemonium in the future. We 
had a recent visit and nothing really weird like audio wise happened but some other things while we were there kind of pointed to us that we need to spend some more time in pandemonium did you see animals recently though I did. <laughs> you sent me a really neat picture, which I had never seen out in the wild before and actually was not really aware that we had these animals close by. We saw a porcupine. Cute as can be. <laughs> so cute. And fairly, I don't know, like fearless, but just like you just come up on it and they just turn around and put their little spikes up like, don't mess with me. I'm pokey. <laughs> Very, very cute. Very then cute. he showed me like video of him just walking along the road. It was like, I'm, I can go wherever I want. Yeah, yeah. He's going to touch me. We followed him down the road, and he ended up hopping into the woods and climbing a tree. Yeah, that was the first porcupine I'd ever seen in Pennsylvania. I knew they were here, but that's the first one I'd ever seen. We also saw a piebald deer that day. Yeah, that was. I was deeply jealous of that. Really, really cool. But nothing like overtly paranormal. You, you like got the natural, not the supernatural. Yeah. Yeah, it was a good visit. But we did get, like I said, we got like some inclination that, that we need to spend more time there. So there'll be more in Pandemonium in the future. If you haven't listened to our Pandemonium episodes, it's a ghost town. It's located in the Tuscarora State Forest. We did not name it that. There's nothing left of the houses or the tannery that was in the town. It's just piles of stone where foundations were. So ghost towns on the East Coast aren't like ghost towns in the Wild West. Building, Where you can go and still take some old tiles or something. <laughs> yeah, buildings just don't last here. They just, they, they rot away. Like the bottoms of our cars. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So no one really knows how Pandemonium got its name. There's like a little legend that says they were having a meeting and talking about, I don't know, what kind of church they were going to build and what denomination would be. And, and everybody got in a big argument over what they should call the place because they were arguing somebody said well we might as well call it pandemonium because it's pandemonium in here that sounds like a hokey made-up story that is a hokey made-up story the closest we can get is one of the early founders in the area one of the early kind of pioneers that went there had also owned land in york county the title of his land back in these days almost everybody named their land Mm -hmm. the title of his land in york county was pandemonium and where was that? We haven't been able to locate it yet. We know he owned land in York County that was titled Pandemonium. You have his name? Yeah, it's somewhere. I, I have it in a note somewhere. Well, I could check the estate records. Well, good luck with that. <laughs> <laughs> I would love to know, because if it ends up being at like Site 7 or Devil's Hole or one of those places, I'm going to yeah, flip out. Yeah. But anyway, it's likely that this guy who moved to the area now known as Pandemonium in Tuscarora. Took his Pandemonium with him. Exactly. exactly. Have Pandemonium will travel. So Pandemonium means place of all demons. Oh, does it really? It's that? Oh, yeah. Oh, I was going to ask you. I was like, is it just uh, like what the etymology of it was? I I didn't know if it just meant, you know. Yeah, so we have these hell and demon places. That's one reason we went there. But, you know, there's a bunch of ghost stories about the town and and the cemetery. So we went there really to talk about these ghost stories and the history of the town and so forth. And we ended up with much more. It was a very harrowing night. Both of us had nightmares, very strange nightmares. Mine was white little creatures, little hairy white creatures with bird heads crawling over my tent. They were crawling all over my tent. What kind of mushrooms did you have in your suit? (laughs) I woke up from that at... 2.45 in the morning to Woodnocks, to the sound of Woodnocks. So I woke up out of this weird nightmare to the sound of Woodnocks. Very weird. Chad tells me later, he woke up from a nightmare 
of little creatures that were not white nor bird-headed, just little hairy creatures that had run us out of camp there. So really weird to wake up from those dreams, but I, I wake up to these wood knocks and these weird sounds, something walking around our campsite, a strange white face I kept seeing on this one tree that I thought was a bare patch of bark that was removed from it. I swore, like, that has to be a bare patch of bark. I'll see it in the morning when the... No, there was no bare patch of bark on the tree. It's really weird. In the morning, taking my pack down, found a metal string twisted into the paracord of my pack. Could see through the the ferns where something had walked literally around our campsite. You could see the, the trail through the ferns. Really weird, very harrowing night. I encourage anyone interested, listen to the full Pandemonium series. It's episodes 116, 118, 119, and 120. You can hear the entire saga. And you were out of range of like, cell phone reception right because i think you just came home early in the morning and you're like i haven't slept (laughs) oh yeah no cell phones there so the town of pandemonium you're six miles off a main road into the tuscarora forest we hiked around earlier that day just to see who was around us to make sure there was no other campers or anything there there was nobody near us at about you know sometime after dinner 9 30 10 at night or something i didn't have the recorder on we were just sitting around the campsite we're going to go walk up to the cemetery at midnight as you do. As you do. So we were just hanging out after dinner, and we heard this clang, and I wish I had the recorder running. I'll, I'll, I'll never not have a recorder running again because of this. It sounded like somebody took a two-by-four and hit a guardrail as hard as they could. It was, but you're nowhere near a guardrail. It was that loud. There is a guardrail on the forest road quarter mile away or something, maybe a little less than a quarter mile away, because it, it, it crosses a creek, so there's a guardrail there. There was also construction equipment around at the time. I thought maybe somebody had swung something in and, and hit the construction equipment, like hit, like swung a board into a two-by-four, a baseball bat or something. That's what it sounded like, that just a huge, loud crash, so much so that Chad was like, somebody had an accident, we have to go check. It was a car accident, so we drove all around, and we didn't, didn't see anything. But that's how the night started, and then we did go up to the cemetery, and a little weird up there, but nothing, nothing really heavy happened until about 2.45 a.m. when I wake up from this nightmare, and I wake up to wood knocks. Like, I'm guessing 50 yards from my tent. I turn the recorder on. I had it sitting there next to me. I hit record, and I got some of them. So this is a long clip. I'm only going to play this once. We'll come back and play some of the individual wood knocks over again. But this is the long clip. This is what I record at 2.45 in the morning. You can hear Chad snoring in this clip. <laughs> I was alone. So I wake up and I hear this. And knowing about the paranormal and knowing sometimes you get these things where where one person will be awake for something and you literally can't wake the other person up uh-huh. you were i was that's... terrified that i'm going i'm going through this alone
So it's not Bigfoot growling with the wooden ox. That's Chad snoring. Oh, okay. So this is Chad waking up, and I'm playing this clip not because there's anything anomalous in it. I don't think there might be stuff behind us that you, people can pick out, but I think you can hear like the stress and fear in my voice. You hear that? Yeah, dude. I'm sitting here inside my sleeping bag, shivering. You're cold. No, I'm freaked out. I'm getting up. At this point, I'm awake now. Yeah. It's going to be a long night. So here's a clip of just the heavier wood knock and the answer isolated. If you look at the stereo file of the recording, you can see they were coming from two different directions because you can see the audio file. In one channel, you see the heavy knock. Boom. Sounds like a, to me, in my mind, like a big heavy branch with like bark on it or something. Uh And then you hear this crisper, lighter knock, clack, coming from the other direction. That's, in my mind, like a, a harder piece of wood or something. And before I hit record, that had been going on for a little while. Like, I woke up and I was groggy. And I was trying to figure out what I was hearing. So I was so happy I caught any of it. I, I hit record and I, I still wasn't sure until I got mm-hmm. home and listened. Like, did I capture any of that? I knew what I heard. So at the end of the wood knocks, there's a kind of whoop you can hear. And then we heard these kind of long siren-like screams. Siren? No, that was not a siren. So we're up from 2.44. At about 4 a.m., we're just sitting around the campsite. This is a selection of sounds that I pulled out. Again, there's owls. The owls came after all this. One of these owls sounds like a good bit lower than the other owls. Don't know if that means anything or not. Something mimicking an owl, I don't know. I don't know on that one. It's a bird. Is it a bird? That's an owl, I think. Almost sounds like a horse. But do you hear that bang? Yes. That's up near Pandemonium. Hear that? 
What the? No, another bang. Oh, no, another bang? Yeah. Wow. Okay, so that's that owl or something, right? Yeah, I, it's close as I can get to what it is. It's definitely not a coyote. Yeah, that one's not. Alright, so that's going to be the end of part one. We're going to get into more on-site audio next week for part two of this. It's really confirming why I don't go out on these filmations. <laughs>
fortune-telling postcard, our curiosity of the week, if you go to the show notes under this episode, see an image of this. If you click that, it'll take you to our Etsy shop where you can visit the new curiosity of the week section and purchase this or last week's funeral fans. I like that we're branching out to other ephemera. We will still have photos. We'll yeah, get, we better. <laughs> we'll have photos as part of the curiosity, but it's neat to have some of the other cool ephemera. I have a whole box full of old UFO publications. We can start filtering those into the Curiosity of the Week as well. By old, I mean 1950s. You can't get super old as far as Yeah, UFO you don't stuff. get like 1600s. <laughs> yeah. While you're at our Etsy shop, you can check out all of our wares. And buying stuff from our Etsy shop helps the podcast as well. All of my books are there. If you buy them on Etsy, I sign them automatically. You don't have to ask me. <laughs> I sign it's it. It's good practice so he doesn't forget how to do it. I sign, <laughs> I sign it before it goes in the in the box or the envelope, and you get a signed book or several. You yeah. can buy all of my books on there. You can buy Monsters Under the Hospital Bed, the most recent kind of art booklet I did. You can buy my fancier, a little bit nicer art book called Apparitions. I have original artwork on there. A couple of the originals from Monsters Under the Hospital Bed are still available. But not they, many, right? No, nah, they went quickly. I think there might be two left, maybe three. But uh, they went quickly. Thank you, everybody, for purchasing those. It's a big help. Strange Familiar's t-shirts are there and more. Go ahead and check it out. Our Etsy shop name is Lost Grave, one word. But if you type in Strange Familiars, our stuff will come up. You know what else comes up when you type in Strange Familiars? The Strange Familiar Soap from Karmic Garden. Sometimes theirs comes up before our stuff comes up. <laughs> How does that work? We're strange familiars. I don't know the algorithm, but... Yeah. Karmic Garden has strange familiars scent. They have flannel man scent. My friend Tara has written the series of books about Violet, the vampire. Karmic Garden has done a Violet scent as well, based on her characters. Check it out, Karmic Garden on Etsy. Also check out Chad's shop, Ruck Rabbit Outdoors. He's got outdoorsy stuff. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> his stock changes all the time because he does a lot of used stuff vintage hunting things and mm-hmm. sportsmen and axes and so forth big fan of the Woolrich oh yeah we will continue next week with our clip show of on-site sounds <laughs> probably won't be enough for a whole show so we'll combine that with something else so come back next week for more Strange Familiars Strange Familiars is a production of Dark Holler Arts. Music, books, art, podcasts, and more. Intro and background music is by Stone Breath. If you want to purchase music by Stone Breath or listen to more, you can go to stonebreath.bandcamp.com. Strange Familiars is on Facebook, facebook.com slash strangefamiliars. You can join the Strange Familiars gathering group there. We are on Instagram, at strangefamiliars. Make sure to like every single one of our photos. Everyone. <laughs> Go back all, all the way through the history, years and years, and like everyone, follow us. And if you're on the web, we are at strangefamiliars.com.
those tongues bleed with drops of red. Tears mark all the paths that I roam. Tears will cut strange runes into my bones. Oh, my bones, my old flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Save big money on your outdoor project now at Menards. We have everything you need to keep your outdoor power equipment running smooth so you can keep that lawn in tip-top shape or enjoy some time on your boat. Right now, all FVP, lawn and garden, and marine batteries are on sale through May 5th. Check out our entire selection of FVP batteries today and view our weekly flyer on Menards.com for more great deals. Save 